Hey, everybody. So I'm trying something a little new this time. I could not get enough of this amazing guest, Ellie Shepley Montgomery. So I asked her to do two back-to-back episodes. So we took the interview and we divided it up into part one and part two, Women on Fire. So before I introduce you to her, I'll let you know that it's it might be best for you to listen to these episodes when you don't have little ears around. And you're going to really enjoy this. You're going to get so much out of it and you'll see why I wanted her for two episodes in a row. So Ellie Shepley Montgomery is a pleasure and intimacy expert. She's the co-founder of her company, Desire on Fire. Through her retreats and programs, she teaches women how to create confident intimacy and fulfilling relationships. She's personally trained with some of the top intimacy and sensuality teachers in the world. Together with her business partner, Amy Batuski, and if you recognize that name, Amy was a guest on our podcast months ago with From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, and it was quite a hit. So they are business partners. So together, Ellie and Amy have created a remarkable sisterhood of women who allow their desires and pleasure to lead the way as they step into a whole new world of freedom, manifestation, and ease. There are going to be things said in these two episodes that crack you open, things that will trigger you, things that will challenge you. You might get a little uncomfortable, but remember that's a good sign when you get uncomfortable. But you're also going to find so much connection and you'll resonate with this beautiful message coming from Ellie Shepley Montgomery. So here we go. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap. So that if you're ready, you can finally be you. So today is finally the day that I get to sit down with my longtime friend, Ellie Shepley Montgomery. Ellie and I have been friends and actually we were colleagues for a long time in a previous business. And I have watched her blossom and grow and follow her desire and develop into a version of herself I had never seen before. And Ellie, I know I have shared this with you, but it's been so beautiful to have a front row seat to that. I've been watching every minute of it. I'm honored that I've been able to be a student of yours. and I know I'll be a future student. I'm just so thrilled for this time together. So we are actually breaking this up into two different pieces, two different episodes. And in this first episode, Ellie, I've never asked anyone else to do this, but your story in in and of itself is enough. So I would love this first episode to be about you choosing you, choosing your desire, following your desire, and being yourself. But go ahead and share a little bit about you and what that looks like. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on, Jill. It's an honor to be here. And 
I heard you speak at a conference at our previous business when I was 18 years old. It was the first time I ever went and you were speaking in front of 7,000 people and you gave this amazing talk. And I just remember thinking, I want to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) So this is so... Who would have ever thought that here we'd be... on your podcast. I'm so, so excited to be here. And I've loved following you creating this podcast. And it's such an amazing resource for for all of us. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. So I grew up... I'm 31 years old. I'm a millennial and grew up on the East Coast and studied theater in school and thought that I would be an actress. That was my dream. And I moved to New York in my 20s and started auditioning and I was teaching yoga and nannying and doing all the the jobs. And I quickly discovered that I was just way more passionate about wellness and like the nutritional profile of the kale salad I was eating (laughs) than I was about scene work and scripts. And so I started a wellness business, as you know, through our old company. I still work with that company. And was just absolutely committed and focused on that for, you know, eight years and never thought I would do anything else. I loved it. It really fed part of me. I loved being an entrepreneur and working with women. And I also lived at that time in my life for outside approval and accolades and winning and <laughs> achieving and getting you know told I was doing a good job and all those things. And so it, it really fed that part of me as well. So that's kind of what led me up to this big shift that I experienced, you know, in my late 20s. And what really brought it on is that I was single and I didn't want to be. <laughs> Truly. I was struggling in dating and I was living in New York and dating and really thought that the issue was just with the men that I was dating. I thought that it was their problem and that they just weren't on my level or whatever. I was really into personal growth. And yeah, I just thought that, you know, what's wrong with these guys? And I started to actually discovered a whole world of personal growth work focused on intimacy and sensuality. And that was really new to me. A friend had introduced me to a course that was about healing. And I went to the course and I just... My mind was absolutely blown. And that's really what started me on the path that I'm on now. And over two years, I just immersed myself in courses and retreats and programs all about learning to be my authentic self, listen to my intuition, let go of the hustling and the achieving and everything that I had been doing and really tune into what do I want? You know, who am I? (laughs) What's going to really fulfill me if I let go of all of this performing and, you know, trying to get approval, what is what is underneath? And then really like what is what is holding me back in my dating? And so much of it was about my inability to be vulnerable and be messy and be real. You know, I spent so much of my time just trying to get the person across the table from me to like me without even thinking like, do I like them? (laughs) You know, do I like them? Like, is this someone that I want to be dating? I would love for you to explain to us, because they're obviously they're connected, how those two are connected. 
because we've been learning on this podcast about masculine and feminine energy. And as you were speaking, I'm like, oh, the hustling, the achievement, the, all that is ma- very masculine, which I can relate to. And then when you said, I had never learned to just be, which is more feminine. So when I was living in New York and dating, I would go out on dates. And the whole time I would be on the date, I would be thinking, is this guy my husband? And then I couldn't be real. I couldn't be present. I couldn't have fun or enjoy myself because I was being so, I was so in my head and analyzing and critiquing and controlling. So, and there was no room, you know, for real connection, right? Because it was all about where's this going? And is this someone that I could date seriously and all that? So I was working with a coach at one point who gave me a practice to date and practice being real and vulnerable and revealing, right? Sharing the deeper thing, like saying, this is what's coming up for me in my life right now, or this is what I'm struggling with, or this is what I want. Asking for desires. You know, I would go out on dates and every time I would offer to split the bill, even though I really wanted him to pay for it. So it was like practice having that conversation, you know, saying this comes up for me when the bill comes. And I noticed that I, you know, just like, like saying the deeper thing as opposed to just staying on the surface and being in my head. And so she, she gave me this practice to do that without picturing my furniture in the guy's apartment. (laughs) Right. So like being real, being vulnerable, being connected without jumping to there needs to be a future. So that is the practice that I was in when I met Rob, my husband. And truly, when I met him, I thought there was no way he was my husband. He's 14 years older than me. He was living in Cape Town, South Africa at the time we met in New York. He was like telling me all these stories about his crazy past. And so I thought this guy is a perfect practice partner. He's a perfect person to practice this with because, you know, he's in New York for a couple of weeks. I can just be real. I can be vulnerable. I can, you know, practice saying all this stuff that I would normally hide and never say. And it doesn't matter because he's leaving in a couple of weeks. I'm never going to see him again. <laughs> I just find this so funny and interesting that by you doing that, I know you know this, but I'm pointing out the obvious that by you doing that, it caused you to be the woman that really, you know, is going to get what you want, right? And let your guard down and be feminine and be vulnerable because you, you had decided, oh, there will be no toothbrush in his bathroom. There will be no furniture in his apartment. So there's no pressure. Isn't that interesting? And I actually got to get to know him. Right. Because, for example, on our first date, I did name the thing about paying for the bill. So I was like, you know, hey, I just want to share something. And I had told him that I was in a practice of being more real and vulnerable in my dating. And obviously, he could meet me there. You know, not every guy would necessarily be up for that. I think most would, honestly. I think men love when women are real and vulnerable. Yes. And that in and of itself is vulnerable to say, I'm practicing being vulnerable. Yes. Oh, I love absolutely. it. Absolutely. But for me, it's really helpful. You know, that was really helpful because it set this expectation, you know, that so, so it kind of gave me this safety in a certain way. Like I didn't feel so 
strange. It was like, okay, I, I set some context for things that I was sharing. And so I said, I noticed that in my past dating, when the check would come, I would want the guy to pay, but I wouldn't say so. And then I would split the bill, but then I would just think he was like stupid for not, not, you know, telling me not to pay. And I just outed myself about the whole thing. And he loved it. It was so fun to like, you know, see his reaction. Not that that's why I was doing it, but he got to say then, you know, oh my God, I'm so glad you shared that with me. I have a pattern with women where I pay for everything. And then we get into the relationship and I get resentful because I'm just constantly paying and I don't feel appreciated. And that's my pattern. And we were able to actually talk about it and like connect about it. And I got to see him and get to know him and feel, you know, this much deeper connection than I had ever felt because I hadn't been willing to be real and vulnerable. It wasn't about the men necessarily. And I would guess, tell me if this is right, that it never was about paying the bill anyway, because he, right, he wanted to be appreciated. You each were able to give each other what they needed and it didn't even matter who paid. Exactly. I've really learned how important it is to express appreciation. And I'm going to speak in super heteronormative terms. The masculine feminine thing can be applied to same sex couples, but my experience is, you know, heterosexual relationships. So I'm going to speak from my experience is that men at their core, most men, right? I don't like to generalize all men, but most men are providers. They want to provide, they want to make us happy. And when I was withholding what I wanted, When I wasn't owning like, hell yeah, I want you to take me out to dinner and I'm willing to receive that, right? That's the feminine is like being willing to being open to receiving and it's vulnerable, right? It's vulnerable to receive. And so when I don't allow myself to receive, when I'm not real about what I want, he can't contribute to me. There's nothing to get, you know, there's nothing to pour into his like masculine generosity and providing has nowhere to land. And then there's nothing to appreciate. And it just doesn't go anywhere. It's like too, you know, it's like we're at a head because I I was so in my masculine, right? Which is the not receiving. I was always controlling, right? Trying to get it to go somewhere, trying to control how he saw me. And it really was so freeing, even though it was terrifying for me. And it still is being really real about what I want and need. But I got to see like, wow, this just works so much better. It gives him something to do. It, you know, it gives it both of us kind of, there's a flow that I'd never experienced before I really allowed myself to surrender into being my authentic self. I mean, these are all kind of buzzwords, but I'm hoping it's like translating. Okay. So clearly it worked out because you married the guy. So let's just talk a little bit about that. But there's, I mean, you know, we could talk for hours about this, but there's so many cool turns to this story that I know that I want my listeners to hear about your wedding. And and then again, how did it turn out that you now are this really well-respected intimacy relationship sex and love coach. Like how in the hell did that happen? <laughs> it's a really thing. Thank you. I received that. Um, it's a really good question. And it it really happened in spite of myself. I never intended to do this as a career at all. And like I said, I was really 
immersing myself in personal growth, mostly because I had so much to learn about this topic. Like as soon as I started studying it and, you know, learning about it, I just realized how frozen I was and how how much I had to learn about it. So I I immersed myself and Rob and I did, you know, retreats and programs together. We ended up both doing this relationship coach training program. And when you're doing that much personal development together, you know this because you've done a lot of personal growth, right? It's like you're really saying truth in a way that you might not be if you weren't doing those kind of programs and getting support around it. So at one point, I told Rob I wanted to marry him. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Have I not told you? No. And and it's the opposite of what we were saying in the beginning, right? I'm not going to picture my furniture in his apartment. Oh yeah. I don't need, and then, and then you, right, you got out of your own way, you opened up, you're flowing, and then you're like, oh, I think I want to marry you, which is so different from picturing the furniture in his apartment, right? Isn't it? Yeah. And I did this beautiful exercise at one point where, I really got in touch with my desire for a life partner because I had not allowed myself to really go there. You know, I knew that I wanted to date and most of my friends were single. You know, I was 26. I was pretty young for being from the coast, you know, on the East Coast. Like most people don't get married till after 30, you know, where I, where I'm from. And so I really wasn't allowing myself to even go there. And I had all these judgments about it. I kept having this desire to get married. And I was like, that's, you're just obsessed with getting married and you're an independent woman. You know, what are you doing? Like, why are you even thinking about that? And you're just, you just want someone because you don't want to be alone. And I had all these judgments about why I shouldn't want that. And I did this beautiful exercise where I actually voiced like all the things that I wanted, which was a partner and someone to, grow with and build a life together and have a family together. And I actually just cried. It was like so beautiful to access this desire. And honestly, before that moment, I had not even considered that that could be Rob. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I'd only known him like three months. It wasn't like it had been that long, but we were having incredible conversations. He was honest with me in a way that I'd never experienced from a man. Like he would call me on stuff, which I actually loved. I'd never had a man do that before. And we were so aligned in our values and our, our desire. I mean, not really our desires because he was a bachelor and never thought that he'd get married, but we loved traveling and we were having these beautiful conversations about life. And so I felt deeply connected to him, but had never considered him as a partner. Then I did this exercise, got access to why I wanted a partner, what I wanted, what was in the way, which was all my judgments and ideas why I couldn't have it. And then it was like this veil lifted. And I just saw him in a whole new way. And the word that I used to describe it is that I claimed him. Mm. which I always thought that the guy had to claim me. That's how I thought it worked. So I was trying to be all perfect so that a guy would claim me. And then I got it. I'm like, no, I got to claim him. Like I need to say, I want you and I want to be with you. And, And once I did that, he was so on board. Like all of his defenses and 
his, you know, and I, I, I don't tell everyone to do this. I'm not like, oh, go tell someone after three months that you want to marry them. But for, for us, it really, it really worked. He had not considered a future with me before I told him that I wanted to marry him. And then after that, there was this huge shift and we just, it was like the defenses came down. My willingness to really stand in my desire and be like, this is what I want. And I know that I want it. And I know that I want it with you allowed him to surrender all the stuff that was in the way for him, which was like, I never thought I would get married. And, you know, I've only seen people in unhappy marriages. I didn't know if I wanted that for myself and and on and on and on. And he's like the happiest married man. <laughs> oh my so- it's so adorable because I'm always like, you didn't even know, like you thought you didn't, he literally thought had a problem with the word marriage, did not think he would ever get married. But, but our marriage is based in radical vulnerability. You know, like we say things to each other that I just never would have imagined that I would say, you know, things like I'm scared about this thing or I'm jealous of that, or when this happened, that really hurt me. Like we just, we communicate in a really deep way that neither of us had had in previous relationships. Yeah. And I can see that's when you're, you're not withholding love, you're not withholding affection, you're not withholding yourselves from one another. And so it all it can do is evolve. I mean, that's my take as I'm listening to you because there's nothing blocking you. There's no block. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's just, there's nothing blocking you. So you're just being each of you and then just receiving and get, I just love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And and one just thing I'll add is like, I've done a lot of work around releasing because one thing that came up as our relationship evolved was just this like deep need and impulse that I had to control him. And he rides motorcycles and he's like, this is one of the things I love about him. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, he's a wild man. Like, and so I've really had to release that need to control and to think that I know what's best and what he should do. Everything from diet to, you know, I thought I knew what he should eat and how he should exercise, like all these different ways that it showed up and it really didn't work. And so one of the things that I've really come to understand and what I what I teach women is that you can't control and have intimacy at the same time. Oh, that's so good. That's like every woman, I think. That's me. I will admit it. That's me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a practice. I think we're all controlling. And let, I mean, I won't speak for everyone, but I think it is a it, I I talk to a lot of women who struggle with this. And so most of us do that unless we're actively trying not to. And don't you agree that there are women who don't like outwardly, overtly control, but in their mind, they're controlling. They, they're, they're wanting to control it all in their head. So they don't, because I, I get a bad rap because I'm, I'm out about it. I'm like, I, you, I will show you how controlling I am. But then when you, there are other women, I'm like, you're just as controlling. You're just doing it in your head and you're playing little mind games. Oh, Jill, that was me. I did not identify with being controlling. I really didn't. I thought, and that's why this was so shocking to me because as soon as we started living together and we were living daily life, he would be like, that's controlling, you know, when I would do something and I would be like, what are you talking about? Like, I just did not get it. And I, we would fight and I really thought that it was all about him. And if he would just do what seemed so obvious that he should do, 
then life would be easy. It would be fine. <laughs> yes. And it turns out that, yeah, I'm super controlling, but I'm exactly what you described. Very down on the down low, very manipulative, subtly manipulative. And so that's why it, it really took some excavation and really looking inside. And it relates back to what I talked about in the beginning, you know, around that need for approval, need for things to look good on the outside. That was my whole thing. I was an actor. Like it was performance. It's like, what does it look like? And do people like me? And, you know, am I looking good on the outside? Like that was the whole thing. And what this relationship has taught me and continues to teach me is how, because this is my husband. It's like nothing. Like if I'm thinking about what things look like, he's allergic to it. Like he is allergic to performing Ellie. This is what I, when I, I joke that we or not joke, but I have a thing that I say that we hire people into our life for certain purposes, you know, and then we often get resentful about it. Like I hired my husband to help me dismantle this like performing fake, inauthentic, you know, identity and bring out my like truth and power and authenticity and being able to love unconditionally because when I'm controlling, I'm not loving. But then I like get resentful. You know, I'm like, why are you telling me that? Like, can't you just support me? And it's like, that's not what I hired him for. I hired him to be real with me. And so, yeah, so I've, I'm, I am every day, you know, learning, learning a lot. So before we get to how you then started this career, I want to say it's interesting, isn't it? That you and I had done so much personal development, but somehow this had never been addressed. Partly because we weren't ready, right? But partly I think there's a lot of personal development out there, a lot of courses that they're not even touching this stuff. Like what you're doing in your practice with people, talking about desire. And I've never, I'm 49 and I had never been asked that. I mean, I've walked on hot coals. I have sat in a cemetery and written my own obituary. I've beaten pillows until I puked. I have done so many weird courses. I've jumped off poles. I've, and I thought I had done it all, you know, all the journaling, all the, and I had never, one, truly looked at desire. And two, I had never even considered, do I like and love myself? No one ever asked me that question. And I didn't realize until I hired a coach this past fall that I actually didn't like and love myself. But I didn't want to say that because it sounds horrible. It sounds like wimpy and, you know, but oh my gosh, this is so rich. So, okay. So you're, you, you find him, you guys are doing all this work together. You're married now. How then did this develop into you becoming a mentor and coach for other women and what it's turned into. Yeah. So I did about two years of learning. I was not doing this professionally at all. And like I said, I never thought that I would. And I ended up moving. We moved to LA in um, 2018. So it was about two years after we met and we had done our, our coach training and I moved to LA and I had made a whole group of new friends through my training and through through this work. And they're really deep relationships, as you can imagine. And a lot of women who were doing this professionally and starting to incorporate 
it into their businesses. And I ended up hosting a retreat with my friend, Amy. She came to me and said, you know, let's host a retreat. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll host a little retreat. And it was like something came alive in me through that weekend. We had seven women in the retreat and things were coming out of my mouth that I didn't even know that I knew. <laughs> you know, it's like that you were probably getting this from doing the podcast. It's like I started to really integrate what I was learning and what I had learned in a whole new way from teaching it. So we hosted a retreat. It was beautiful. And Amy came to me after the retreat again and said, you know, do you want to really start a business together and lead online programs and courses and like do this program to get this business thing together? And I said, no. (laughs) I was like, no, no, thanks. Like, I'm good. You know, I have my business. I'm happy. Like, I don't need to do that. Like, that sounds so confronting. And I'm just a no. But you know what? When something is your purpose, you just can't escape it, is my experience. If you're truly being yourself, right? If you're truly living authentically and not just saying, I'm authentic, you're right. You won't escape it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's my commitment, you know, above anything else is to keep growing and is to keep being my authentic self. And expressing myself in the world and evolving. It just became so clear over time that this was what I was meant to be doing. And this is what I was lit up about, you know, the conversations that I would have. And we did keep hosting retreats and they were so successful. You know, like in March, we had a 30 woman sold out retreat that wasn't able to happen because of COVID. So we never planned to even really do much beyond the in-person retreats. Like we loved the in-person retreats. And then COVID happened. And so we started to shift and we were like, okay, well, could we do virtual retreats? And we started with that and we've ended up, you know, reaching women in the Midwest and Europe and all over the world with this work. And by that point, I was just obsessed. I was like, okay, this is like, this is unbelievable being able to bring this kind of work. And like you said, you know, I mean, Amy and I were trained in a lineage of feminine teachings that is unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Like there's just no one else teaching this specific lineage teaching kind of work that we are teaching besides the women who went through and there are some men who went through this training with us you know and and there there are there are a fair amount of us but the the company that we got trained through doesn't exist anymore and so i am just so deeply committed in my deep in my soul that this work get out into the world. (laughs) Like, I'm so clear that uh, the difference that it makes, you know, the difference it's made for me. I mean, I am a completely different person in so many ways than when I started this journey. And Ellie, I've shared this with you, but I have even just through observing you online, which isn't real, 
right? It's not reality. I've seen the metamorphosis. I've seen the transformation. I've messaged you and said, I don't know what got a hold of you, but I <laughs> fucking love it. Like you've always loved you. Always knew you were sharp. As you said in our, our previous business, you were always top 1%. This is different though. This was like something deep in your belly. You're doing retreats called Desire on Fire, right? It's like you were on fire for this. And I, I watched this also beautiful maturity. Like, and I'm, when I say that, I mean uh, as like wisdom, you know, like you became so confident in this work, but also very wise in it. So it's like your age, you didn't grow chronologically too much in this journey, right? But I watched you like mature by like, I don't know, decades and decades. And I did participate in one of your online weekend retreats. And I truly just thought, I'm curious about it. It looks interesting. And I love Ellie and I know it's going to be great. And I was so blown away. And I have referred so, as you know, so many friends Mm, to your work. Yeah. And everyone listening, you know, the Amy that she's referring to is Amy Batuski. And so if you haven't heard the episode, go back where it was called Being You from the Bedroom to the Boardroom. And it was one of our listeners' favorite episodes. Yeah, it was so good. So this is Amy's business partner, Ellie. So you became this this coach. You COVID was in an interesting way a gift because then you had to reimagine things. You're doing it online. You reached way more people. But I also, I think you didn't just reach more people. I saw it like evolve. Is that right? Like it evolved into something else. Yes. You're doing, I mean, tell them about the group of women. One of my friends heard Amy's episode and then signed on for, is it, it's not, is it a mastermind? Yeah. It's, well, it's a mentorship program. It's a six month mentorship program. Yeah. And then we have 53 women in this one. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's been incredible. Incredible. Because clearly, yeah. And clearly you're onto something, right? Because what you just shared with us, your journey from you know, forcing the dates and seeing the person as your husband on date one to letting go, finding this man, claiming him, marrying him, growing husband and wife, moving across the country, and then starting this business. It's not like, oh yeah, and the happy ending is the business working. It's working. That's not the happy ending. I mean, it's like evolving still. It's turning into, I know you're launching a podcast and I see even more coming. I, I truly believe that there will be a day where people will say, oh, I remember seeing her on or hearing her on the BU podcast because I know there are some big things coming. One, because you and Amy, you work so well together and you're so passionate, as you said, and committed to this work getting out. And at the same time, if you're not, and I talked about this with the previous guest and you would love her, Joy Harrington. We talked about a lot of people online who are coaching and they haven't really integrated it and they haven't lived it themselves. So they're parodying and they're saying a lot of stuff and people pay the money, but then there's no shift. And I think that happens a lot. And I know the work you are doing is like truly transformational work. And I know on our next episode, we're going to get into some of that. But I remember Amy saying a lot of what we're doing is like the last stop. Like a lot of women avoid this to the end. And I know I have. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for those beautiful acknowledgements. Yeah, I think that we live in a culture where we have an epidemic of like living from the head down, right? That's certainly how how I was living, you know, is like really heady and from the from the head. And we can get more into this in maybe the next episode, but my experience is is that 
everything that we need and all of our answers live in the body. And I didn't know that. I mean, just learning about my menstrual cycle. I'm like, how did I do so much personal development, so much training on so many different topics? And no one said like, your body's on a 28-day cycle. You know, not everybody's is, but like your, your body's on a monthly cycle. And that can be like the guiding force of your life. Like your body changes so much day to day. Like just learning about that changed my whole life. Yeah, because we don't talk about that. All we talk about is the shame of it. Women are gross when they're on their period. We need to hide. It's painful. You know, we can't talk about it. I mean, there's just, we could do five episodes on that. I mean, I have two daughters and a stepdaughter and it makes me sad that I'm just now learning this stuff at almost 50 as I'm going into menopause. I didn't know to talk to them about this. And totally. No clue. Absolutely. And none of us. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it to me, especially. It's like no one did. Like whole generations, you know, where this was never talked about. And then we see a whole, you know, we see generations where there's so much hormone imbalance, autoimmune diseases, like so, so many, not to mention like mental, emotional, you know, challenges. And we go to the band-aid. It's like, that's the thing in our culture is like, okay, if you're struggling, like take this medication or take this thing. And I'm all for Western medicine, you know, when it's needed, this isn't like to put down Western medicine. And it's like, what are some of the other options. And, you know, I think part of the reason that you're so open to this and I'm so open to this is because we come from the world of holistic health, which is where, right, you're taught to look at the whole system and and alternative options and nutrition. And, you know, so so I was already kind of open to that kind of thinking. And this just took it to a whole other level of like really allowing myself to embrace my feminine, yes, that's a part of it. And everything that goes along with that. So my my body, like really trusting and allowing for what comes up in my body. Like, oh, there's something coming up. Like there's a reason for that. And how can I allow that? And then like really looking at and embracing my sensual self. And it's so much more than just sex. Like, I think we think in our culture of like sex being such a specific thing. It's like, okay, the act and all the kind of stuff that's tied up in that. But this is why when I work with women, like we do a five-day pleasure challenge and we don't talk about sex the whole time. We're just like, let's start with pleasure. Like what, what makes you feel good? Like, what do you need to take off your plate so that you actually even have room for yourself and for pleasure. You know, some of these basic things that I think we just are so far away from, I certainly was in my daily life because I was so caught up in this external trying to make stuff happen in the out, you know, in the outside world between business and all this stuff. And it's like I had no idea the power that lived inside of me and that 
all I had to do truly. And of course, I only got to this through like years of personal growth. Cause I'm, so I'm not putting, I'm not like, Oh, you don't need to do any of that because of course I needed the whole journey to even get me to a point where I was willing and able to do this. I have everything inside of me. Like my body knows what it needs and how to thrive and what to say, when, where to go, when, what to do, when, and coming into alignment with that and honoring it and prioritizing it and putting time and attention into it has shifted my entire life and allowed, it's like alignment, right? And you talk about this, the hustle versus alignment. When you come into true alignment, especially with your feminine self, which when I talk about that, I mean like, emotions and your body and your sensuality sex is a part of it too but it's like the with your voice with your your anger right these things that we are taught to suppress when you really embrace that and prioritize that and this is a practice right it's a long slow game this is the other thing is like when we start to work with women they like want to nail it immediately and i'm like no 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 like which is so masculine, right? That's so masculine. Right. It's like, this is the rest of your life. Like, welcome to this path. Like, I really consider it a path. And I'm, you know, I'm new on the path. Like, I'm like five years in, I'm like a novice, you know? And prioritizing that has allowed things to come into my life that I never in a million years could have gotten from an achievement focused place. Never. It's as if I was just, bashing my head into a wall over and over. (laughs) And then I like stepped away from the wall and actually just allowed myself to stop. It it was like, I didn't even have to really do anything. I just had to stop bashing my head against the wall and life rearranged itself in such a beautiful way to reflect the inner shift. Okay, Ellie. So that is a perfect segue into part two. So if people are not drawn to listening to this next episode and they're not chomping at the bit and waiting because they have to wait two days between this episode and the next, (laughs) then as our one friend always said, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. (laughs) Oh, it's my favorite. I say that all the time. Ladies, buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to dive into good girl syndrome and we're going to talk about sex and intimacy and the true power that Ellie's talking about that many of us are just have numbed out. We're frozen. We're numb. We don't even know it's there. And she's going to show us how to find that desire in that burning fire. <laughs> so thank you so much, Ellie, for your time. And I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to dive in further. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear, so let me know in a DM on Instagram at JillHermanBU. Be sure to subscribe to the BU podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.